0: Voices, the podcast where we bring you inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Awele Okibo. A pregnant woman dies every two minutes due to complications in childbirth. This happens 800 times a day, according to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Goalkeepers 2023 report. By the time you finish listening to this podcast, about 15 women would have died. Giving life shouldn't cost a life. My guest today is trying to change that. Her name is Ashu Martha Aboyeti, but she's Martha to us. She's a registered midwife in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Cameroon has one of the highest maternal and neonatal mortality rates. Martha's work to save mothers and their babies is advancing sustainable development goal three, good health and well-being. This is Martha, in her own words, sharing her story. Let's listen and be inspired. My name
1: is Ashumata Agbonyenti. I'm a midwife, an author, a blogger, and equally the founder of the Pomoman Baby Foundation based in Cameroon.
0: Now, Martha, I'm going to set the context for this conversation, right? 800 women die every day from giving birth. The chances that babies survive past their first year is less than 37%. Maternal mortality rates have been stalled in the past eight years, and even rising in some countries. Now, this is where you come in, Martha. Can you tell us what are you doing to reverse this trend? Thank
1: you very much for this question. I, I get it quite a lot, <laughs> especially in my context here in my country. And to begin with, it, it it started as just a burning passion to see that mothers and babies are fine. I am a midwife. Very you know, I just have that, that thing to want to see that mothers and babies have the best health care they can ever have, you know, regardless of your societal status, regardless of your financial background or even your family background. So it started from there as just a passion. It started as me just wanting to to be able to help these women. And from there, it led me to, uh, um, as I just being a midwife, it led me to want to start writing books. Of which I, of course, began. I started writing books in relation to maternal and child health, in relation to pregnancy, um, in order for women to be more knowledgeable about their health. Because if I can remember well, I think that was in my first year of internship as a student midwife. I encountered a couple of women whom, when they were asked things we would, we as professionals would consider minor, such as um, when was your last um, last menstrual period, they can't tell you the exact date. You know, they wouldn't even understand what exactly you're talking about. And as a woman in her reproductive age, you're supposed to have that at the back of your mind always. So knowing that they didn't know all this, all these basic things, it, it became a burden to me. And I was like, the easiest way I can put it to these women is in a book. And I decided to start to start writing these books in, in a small way because... Here in Cameroon, I don't know about um, the rest of, you know, Africa or how, but here in Cameroon, they are quite, the the people are quite scared of very big books. So I decided to, to do the writing in like small books to make it handy and so the women can take it along with them everywhere and read it. So it didn't end with just writing the books. I went ahead to starting a blog called Marty's Midwifery Diary. And it's a Facebook blog, actually, where I just put up helpful materials to help um, bridge the gap between women and their health, and I put up um, at, at, at least three to four posts per week, and this is all in the aim to at least curb um, maternal mortality rates, because I believe that one information, one um, very timely and resourceful information that gets to a pregnant woman in need can save her life. So I do my best to put up this post in hopes of it getting to the right people, and after some time, I I looked and I, I was like, I don't think it is enough. Just writing books and putting posts on the blog. There's more that we can do to help these women, to help, you know, to help save their lives. And we, we went ahead to start the Former 1 Baby Foundation. And that was in 2021 when it was launched. And since then, it's been amazing. We've reached out to women in the community, at the hospitals, women in the crisis-stricken areas, you know, to be able to... Get you know get have a knowledge of their needs first of all, because you know there are times when people the things that you may feel that you're providing as a not for profit organization you feel that the people need it, but that is not actually what they need at that time, so we had to do a needs assessment to be able to know how exactly we will come in to help them, so that we provide not just care in quotes, we provide timely care and and care to you know care with respect to things that the people actually need. So this has been the journey, you know, in a nutshell, and so far we keep going.
0: Martha, that's absolutely incredible. Now, can you tell me, what are some of the challenges that some of the mothers have? Okay, so the very first one I had mentioned is
1: the aspect of ignorance. You know, when you're ignorant, when you have um, little or no knowledge with respect to a health situation for example i'll say the 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 women i met during that first internship i spoke about they didn't know for example key things you expect them to know and you know it it came as a shock to me because i'm like you are carrying a baby these are things you're supposed to know you're supposed to know when there is a complication for you to be able to get timely care so if you are not able to already know that you're bleeding during pregnancy is a complication it's an it's an emergency there's no way you'll be able to get care that is going to save both your life and that of the baby in that instance exactly. so the aspect of ignorance is one that leads to really high mortality rates and the other the second thing i, I realized is that women tend to shy away from hospitals in the setting with which i work so, so it takes extra efforts on our part as um an organization um, based on maternal and child health to be able to get to the women in the community and encourage them and actually you know liaise them with with the with the hospitals, with the health centers, and make them know the midwife is your friend, you know, the doctor is your friend. When you have any issue, be sure to get there. And you know, if you don't get there, there are there are stakes, you know, anything could happen along the line. So the essence and the most important thing is that both you and your baby are fine. So that's the other thing. And I think the third the third thing is low attendance of ANC of antenatal care. Most women still don't know the importance of antenatal care. Some of them may just go to the hospital, you know, and they just go and turn around. Let me put it that way, because some 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 women have are really are, are, <laughs> I can't find the words to use. Some women are quite really funny. They'll get money from their husbands to go to the hospital, and while at the hospital, they don't, they don't, they, you know, they just do rounds and then they go back home. They oh. don't even think to go to the antenatal care, and they think they are like wow. you know, they are punishing someone else other than themselves. Whereas yes. it, it's themselves and their babies who are going to suffer. So antenatal care is very important, it's a very important component of of maternal and child health care. If these three major ones are tackled, then we are sure that maternal mortality rate can significantly
0: reduce this is really interesting Martha now have you have you actually experienced any resistance so I'm assuming you're going into a number of communities trying to sensitize and educate and really prepare um these these women have you have you met any backlash or any kind of societal or um community resistance
1: um, yes, quite a number of times, but um, in the area where we work, where For Mom and Baby Foundation is based, um, it's crisis-stricken, and when you say crisis-stricken, it has actually died down a little, a little compared to when it began. It's a political crisis um, kind of situation, so at, at first, it was really bad, where hospitals were getting burned, you know, situation the situation was really bad and this led to to women not having access to healthcare. it was really really terrible and that 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 led to involuntary um involuntary resistance. the women did not. it's not like they, they did not want to go to the hospitals they wanted to but they didn't have the means to get to the hospital so that's the major kind of you know backlash we get aside the the ones where the women deliberately refused to go
0: Interesting. And so when, for instance, when you have young mothers refusing to go, can you just uh, explain how do you convince them? How do you get them to actually change the behavior and trying to, um, you know, break that habit and actually seeking help and being consistent and intentional about it? Oh my God, the
1: whole process, because we have to bring in quite a number of people, because remember the women who refuse to go for antenatal care or who refuse to go to the hospitals for proper health care when they are pregnant are found in the community. So and in, in those communities you'll find chiefs, you'll find um head of head of the, the women, you know, all these all these women movement in the community, not women movement per se, all these meetings where they play like Jangi, in quotes where they contribute money and all those things. Those are the the key people we target as an organization. Because so we can get to get to them, they can talk to the women, or sometimes we ourselves get into those meetings with their permission, you know, sensitize the women. Even the old mothers, we encourage them to tell their, their children to come to the hospital when they are pregnant. And if, if they refuse, then we'll walk directly with community health workers. Now, community health workers have a really huge role to play in our work because they are the ones who get in direct contact with these pregnant women when we are not there. Because as an organization, we will not always be in the field, but the community health workers live in the community. They are always there. So with their help, we are able to reach out to more women, even when we are not on the field, even on this, when we are not on the field and they are able to direct them to the hospitals that we work
0: directly with. So I love hearing that you're working with communities, you're working with the, you know, religious and traditional rulers and the, the community influencers to try and support and educate, you know, these women so that that behavior changes. Now, can you tell me how do you partner with the hospitals and um, how many hospitals do you partner with? Um, Currently, we
1: are working with eight hospitals, and this is based on a project um, where we are distributing medications to help prevent postpartum hemorrhage. And so this this project is like a passion project to me, personally, because I'm, I'm one who believes in not waiting for something to happen to you before you can react. I'll put this in context. I don't have to wait for probably one of my sisters to die as a result of postpartum hemorrhage before I can... Start advocating for postpartum hemorrhage. I already start doing it with other people, and then you know it, it 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 has like a ripple effect in the entire society. So this is the knowledge we this is this is the mindset with which we work at for Mom and Baby Foundation. And so far, this particular project that led us to working with eight hospitals so far has been very, very impactful. And I can say we we've, we've worked together to save the lives of over 236 women. From wow. dying as a result of postpartum hemorrhage. And I I I sometimes I just say to myself and I imagine that what if this medication wasn't available at the health centers? It means 236 women would have died as a result of postpartum hemorrhage. So these are the things, these are the numbers that keep us going, that keep us alive as a foundation. And there are many other. This is just one of such examples or one of such cases we have we have worked to remedy. There are still so much more that we are doing as an organization, and yeah, we are looking forward
0: to better days ahead. My conversation with Martha goes even deeper. She delves into how her and her volunteers bravely risk their lives every day because of the insecurity in Cameroon, how it affects their ability to help expectant mothers, and the mental toll it takes. Mother talks about training her volunteers, the challenge in raising funds to keep her nonprofit going. She looks back at receiving the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Goalkeepers Award. And she also opens up about the trauma and experience of losing her first patient. Really inspiring hearing how much impact you're having. Now, what discourages you? And it can't be this. It can't be easy. Um, You know, there is the the element of, you know, women and babies dying needlessly. So can you just share what are some of the discouraging factors in your work? First of all, the aspect of insecurity discourages
1: me a lot. Like sometimes we get we go into the field and you, you, you don't know if you're going to come back that day. It's that bad because on, on Mondays, particularly, yeah, today is a Monday. Yeah, on Mondays, it's, it's declared a ghost town in those areas, in the area where our, our office is based. So if you're going out on a Monday, it's a risk. And imagine that there is a pregnant woman who is in dire need of our services. We can't provide that service on that day. So that's the difficult part because you have to deal with yourself. You have to start thinking, oh, what if something happens to this? You have to do a lot of emotional work on yourself to tell yourself it's okay. That, you know, even if something happens, you would have loved to be there. So don't beat yourself up about it. So it's a lot of mental work to be able to, you know, suppress our emotions, work within ourselves. And it's it's a good thing that we have volunteers who are equally, you know, carrying up this mindset of, you know, bracing up and wanting to help women going out of their way to help them despite the insecurities and, and so on and so forth, the things we face on the field. So besides insecurity, there's equally the aspect of funds, which is very discouraging. I remember one time when when we began, when I just started the For Mom and Baby Foundation, and someone was like, "How can you be starting a not-for-profit organization when you don't have money? When you don't have like a source of income, a stable source of income? What what is driving you? Are you okay? Those you like people who have you know not-for-profits are very rich people?" I my response to the person was. I mean, it's passion pushing me. It's not, I, I may not have, you know, the wealth of the world to be able to give these women, but if I have to wait till when I have all the money, then I'm not going to do what I have to do. So I'll start with the little I have. So at the beginning, and even sometimes up till now, majority of projects we run are based on personal income. So it's the money I have, and I, which I put it into it, and sometimes it's very discouraging because I, I cannot help as much as I want to because I'm limited to an extent.
0: So... I mean, those are the two major things, the insecurity and the funds issue. Wow, and those are and those are major things. Now, um, you mentioned volunteers. I mean, thank goodness you have people that are passionate and, and selfless in, in trying to support you. Can you tell us a little bit about how do you prepare them? How do you train them? The fact that it has to do with, you know, with the medical field and can you just share what some of the training your volunteers go through? Yes.
1: Oh, I love talking about volunteers. I love talking about my volunteers in particular because they they are like the core component of my work. They are incredible. And majority of our volunteers, we have, I think, 25 so far. We are very selective of our volunteers, of the people we incorporate into, into you know our system to work with because we want people who are really intentional and mindful about maternal and child health. So um, being mindful of this, we are very we are equally very careful to to not overburden them or to not over squeeze them in quotes not to you know over squeeze the juice from them we on the because you know you cannot pour from an empty cup you have to make sure that the cup is full enough in order for it to pour out so we organize capacity building um we organize trainings sometimes in-house trainings where we just talk to ourselves. Sometimes we, we invite guests to come in, talk with the volunteers. We train them on, on things like um project writing, grant writing. We train them even on CV writing, you know, key skills that make them ready for the job market. So that even if they have to leave the foundation tomorrow, you know, probably if they get a job or something, they are good to go. They can say, no. they learned how to do these things from the foundation. And the story won't be, we just went out constantly helping pregnant women and forgetting about ourselves. So we are very, very intentional at the foundation to make sure that the volunteers are well poured into.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And how do you go about getting your volunteers? Oh,
1: okay. So it's it's a little procedure. I don't want, it's not very heavy where you, you apply. There's a link where you apply. The I link see. is equally on our website. You apply to be a volunteer. You have to send in your, your CV, fill in the, the information gaps, and then uh, tell us why you want to volunteer. Cause of course we want to know your motive.
0: Excellent. Now, um, now this brings me to asking about coping with, um, with death. I'll assume that given the data and how many women uh, die and their babies as well from getting inadequate, you know, medical care, how do you cope with losing a mother or a baby? You know, what process do you go through and as well as your volunteers?
1: Hmm. I remember the first time I saw a woman die, it was, Hmm. I still have goosebumps talking about it. It was, it was, I can imagine. Hmm. I didn't have the words. Seeing, first of all, hoping, in coming to the hospital in hopes of receiving both the baby and the mother back in good health. And then the family instead receives the news of, yeah, of, you know, their relative dying. And seeing how they will when when the news is given to them, it's, it just makes you, I had to take, I, had, I think I, I had to take three days off from the hospital then when I was um, working at the hospital. I had to take three days off just to process that whole thing. I cried. I cried. I cried. It was so difficult for me. It was a difficult time. Very along the line, it gives me more passion. I think that particular experience, that very first one, gave me more passion to do what I do. Instead of waiting, you know, and seeing and, and and you know, being in the face of all this reality of a woman dying, you know, dying during childbirth, why not prevent it? Why not do put in all the parameters or things that can prevent it from happening? So it gives me more passion to want to keep doing what I'm doing
0: so I don't have to cry or take three days off. Oh, Martha, that's so, that's really touching. And and what's even also touching for me was uh, I was so blessed to have been at the Gates Foundation Um uh, event so you were both goalkeepers and you received the 2023 change maker award from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation goalkeepers um, for your incredible work the sacrifice um in reducing high mortality um high maternal mortality rates in Cameroon and um i just watching you on stage accept your award and hearing about all the incredible work you're doing, um, even just for me watching in the audience, it was quite powerful. How how did you feel looking out into the the auditorium that was full of people? It
1: it was a thrilling experience, and like I began before before I I you know made my speech. It's it's I said it was a miracle. It is a miracle till now because I can't imagine how you know how I started you know till getting to get into New York. When I received the email of being the winner, I was like, what have, I did some introspection. I was like, what have you really done that you're receiving this level of recognition? You know, I kept, I kept thinking, thinking it to myself. And sometimes I I just broke into tears at some point. And I was like, okay, this is a sign saying, this is a sign saying you're you're doing a good job and just keep doing it. Just keep saving the lives of those mothers and babies. It was really a thrilling experience. I, I still remember how. The, the, my emotions were all over the place i was so happy <laughs> i was so happy
0: to just. we be were all happy for you yeah. we were all happy for you so martha what what do you see happening in the next year what do you want to accomplish if we have this conversation this time next year in 2024 what would you tell me what are your plans and what are your goals mm. the
1: my goals currently with the foundation because majority of the goals I've set are with respect to the foundation. So I'm just going to note it all together. So we plan to reduce, significantly reduce maternal mortality rate here in Cameroon because currently it's at 438 per four hundred thirty eight deaths per 100,000 life rates. And so the plan is to reduce it to, you know, next by next year we can be talking, we can, we can talk about, you know, 400 or why not, why not even 70? per hundred thousand live births, women don't deserve to die, you know, during childbirth, and all this, you know, achieving this low number is going to be as a result of the projects we aim to carry out, and these projects we aim to carry out is going to entail, you know, really huge funds. But we are up with it and we are really hopeful. We keep writing the projects, you know, like I mentioned, which we are training our volunteers on project or proposal writing. Which so far is going well. We are written a couple a couple of projects so far. And we are hoping that we are able to get, you know, grants and funds for all these projects we've written so we can impact as much as we can and get these numbers really down.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, tied to trying to get funding, Martha, I mean, again, as in just in my field, it means you have to, obviously, there's a lot of advocacy and promotion of your activities. So can you share what are so you already mentioned, you have a Facebook page, you have a website, what other ways do you use to bring more light to your work and get people aware of the work and the, the need to stop any woman dying or any baby dying from childbirth?
1: No, oh, we we actively use social media. We have a, not just a Facebook page for the foundation. We equally have an Instagram page, and you know we we do our possible best to ensure that all our volunteers are actively present on social media so that they too can push. Because my audience cannot be the same as their audience. So if everyone can put up posts, helpful posts in relation to maternal health, child health, then you know it's going to reach out. It's going to, the information is going to spread across. Very faster than when one person do it. You know, many hands do light like work. Absolutely. So all these things put together, aside social media, even when we go to churches, you know, when when we when we just decide to do an activity in the community, even if, even just as little as a walk, we are ensuring that the work goes out there. There's an organization doing this maternal and child health, and so far it's been it's been really good because I, I see that many people are, are reaching out to us, especially when it comes to pregnancy and, and childbirth and maternal and child health in, in general. So the majority of people already know, hey, if you have an issue with this, you should be able to get to from One Baby Foundation.
0: You are an inspiration and, um, uh, you, and I, I, my prayer and my hope is that you continue to be driven and committed and steadfast in, in this really important work you're doing. I mean, because of you, there's a reason for hope and optimism in reducing maternal mortality. So thank you for everything you're doing. I would love to have another conversation. This is the first of many. So you can share with our audience the work, the incredible work you're doing. Share with them how you need people to help, where you need the help. And um, until then, please stay the course. And thanks for this important conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Awele. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me on here and for talking about, you know, for enabling me to talk about my passion, my work. You're doing great, so thank you.
0: Thank you. And one final thing, and this is a, we'll have a very quick, it's a rapid fire, uh, rapid fire questions, right? So Mm -hmm. natural birth or C-sections? Natural birth. Midwife (laughs) or obstetrician? Midwife. Hospital birth or home delivery? Hospital birth. Gender reveal or no? Gender review. <laughs> Single birth or <laughs> twins? Twins? Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Martha. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Emily. While it's unconscionable that millions of women are dying needlessly giving birth, people like Martha are taking action to prevent it. We should be motivated by her efforts to advance the global goals. One mother, one baby at a time by 2030. The world and women need more Marthas. This journey doesn't end here. It continues in the choices we make, the conversations we start and the actions we take. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, comment, share and subscribe. Cradle Voices, ordinary people doing extraordinary things.